Hey, it's great to see uh, the faces of those of you who are here in person. I know we've got a lot of people watching online as well this morning. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, Christmas just feels like it was so long ago. But we're only a couple of weeks, two or three weeks into January. And uh, that means it's still uh, an appropriate topic to talk about New Year's resolutions and turning over a new leaf and making some, uh, some more goals for 2021. And that's actually what the theme is for the series that we're in right now. If you're joining us today, it's called Ducks in a Row. Ducks in a Row. And I've brought my ducks with me. I'll be putting them in a row right here on the front of this table so they can watch you watching me. Um, These ducks are available free of charge in the lobby. If you've not yet picked up your duck, please pick up your duck. Put him uh, or her somewhere in your house where it will be a constant reminder to make sure that you are putting your ducks in in a row. We, uh, we're looking at different aspects, different things in our lives that maybe um, we could be more proactive instead of reactive. That's kind of the theme of this series, that if you're like me, I don't want to live my life reacting to everything that comes my way, whether it's financial, work, my faith, my marriage, my time I spend with people. I don't want to be reacting all the time to different things. I want to be proactive. I want to be intentional. I want to have some plans. I I want to get my ducks in a row. So we're talking about that in some different contexts. On week one, a couple of weeks ago, I kicked off the series talking about time. We all have um, a limited amount of time every day, but it's actually one of the greatest assets we've been given. So we have to choose wisely how we're going to spend that time. We don't want to waste the time we've been given. So for some people, getting our ducks in a row meant looking at our schedules, our times, and seeing if we could make some changes in 2021 to, to make better use of the time we've been given. Last week, if you were here, Andy talked about our faith. Now, for those of you who are here this morning, if you're uh, kind of on a journey of discovery, you're, you're checking things out, you're looking into what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you're on a faith journey. Your journey may be taking you towards Jesus, and you may not be there yet in your mind or in your heart, but you are on a faith journey. And there are some of you here this morning that your faith journey has taken you to Jesus. You've decided to become a follower of Jesus. You've surrendered your life to him. He, he's alive and living in you, just guiding you. But, but your faith journey doesn't end there. Your faith journey continues as you grow in that faith. You learn to become more like him. Your life changes as you uh, learn more about Jesus and the teachings he gives on how we should live our lives. But whether your journey is leading you towards Jesus or whether your journey is post-relationship with Jesus, I don't want us to be a people who just kind of meander through just seeing what happens. Even in our faith journey, we can be proactive instead of reactive. So last week, Andy talked about getting our ducks in a row when it comes to our faith, putting some practices in place that will help us. He talked about being a part of groups. And you know, we have some great groups, Andy just mentioned them, whether you're still kind of discovering things, checking things out, there are groups for you to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you are along the path in your journey with Jesus, there are some great groups to help you grow and learn more. So last week we talked about the ducks in a row when it comes to faith. So this morning, I want to talk about a topic that is a very large part of all of our lives. And what we're going to talk about this morning, the duck we're going to get in a row today, is our work, our employment, what we do for a living. Now, some of you already are kind of looking up thinking, 
come on, preacher guy, what, what do you know about work? You, you work for like three or four hours on a Sunday morning and that's it. Well, that's not entirely true. We have a staff meeting on Mondays as well. That's another hour or two. So, But outside of working for the church, before I worked for the church, I did have some other jobs. I've had some experience in work outside of the church. Uh, when I was younger, I worked in a bank for a couple of years. I've worked in an insurance company. I've worked in an electrical supply company. And then um, for a few summers in my college-aged years, I actually worked for a company that delivered furniture. Uh, it was a pretty sketchy company. Uh, the furniture they sold was very low-end. Uh, it kind of made IKEA furniture look like pottery barn furniture. I mean, it wasn't very well made. It was uh, when they sent me out in my truck with all the deliveries, they sent us out with like staplers, uh, sharpies, so that if we arrived somewhere and the furniture was damaged, we could just kind of fix it in the back of the truck before we deliver it. Um, when I got there, I would be delivering couches, mattresses, beds, armchairs. And the hope was, they wanted to save money, so they sent me out by myself. The hope was when I got there, the homeowner was there to help me carry the armchair or the couch up the stairs or into the house. Uh, inevitably, what would happen is I'd show up at some house and ring the doorbell and this 75-year-old lady would answer and I'd be thinking, oh, she's not going to carry the mattress with me. So they sent us with a little box of cash and we were allowed to just go and find someone on the street and say, hey, I'll give you £10 if you come and help me carry this couch into this house. So it was very sketchy, very shady, but I've worked in a few different places and I've learned some things along the way. But as I was preparing for this message this week, I discovered that in the Bible, there's a lot that God has to say about work. If I believe we were created to work, Work, you see, happened in the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve. He created them um, with the intention of working there in that, that very first garden. Work is a part of our lives. And if we're followers of Jesus this morning, there's a way in which he, he wants us to work. So when it comes to um, living reactively versus proactively, I think there is a way that we can apply that in our work life. Because I mean, if you think about it, some might say, well, well, I, my happiness, my job, it's, it's determined by the, the career that I'm in, the place that I work, the people I work with. But that's a little bit reactive, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, I've met some people who are executives of incredibly big companies, great prestigious jobs, and they're pretty miserable. And then I've met some people who are just wonderful, happy, great attitude people, and they push up room for a living on what floors? So it just goes to show that um, it's not the job that determines the way in which you work. It's, it's something inside of you. If I can prove that. I'm pretty sure that every fast food restaurant there is offers the same minimum wage to every young person that applies to work there. But have you ever eaten at Chick-fil-A? It's just something different, isn't it? I mean, when you arrive at Chick-fil-A, I mean, they treat you like royalty. It is my pleasure every time I eat at Chick-fil-A. It's wonderful. So it just goes to show the, that it's not the job that determines that we don't need to react. We can be proactive in how we view the jobs that we have. So I want to look at, at three ducks this morning, three ducks that we could get in a row uh, when it comes to our jobs. And I, I'm aware that there are some of you here this morning, maybe you're students, maybe you're in high school and you're thinking, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I don't even have a job. Listen, if you learn some of these things now, You'll be, it'll help you so much in the workforce 
And your mum and dad will think you're amazing because you can apply this now just the way you work around the house. They'll just think you're incredible. They'll love you for it. So what sets apart the average employee from an amazing employee? What sets apart an average employee from the amazing employee? What I think, very simply, is that they have a great attitude. And I think this is the first duck right here in the middle that we need to get in a row to have a great attitude. You see, you are in control of your attitude. You are in control of your attitude. You may not be able to control the economy. You may not be able to control the people you work alongside. You may not be able to control who your boss is, how safe your job is. But you can control your attitude while you are there every single day. A guy by the name of Paul who wrote a large part of the New Testament, he talked about this very idea of our attitude. He was writing to a a group of Jesus followers in a city called Philippi in a brand new church. And listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, with regards to our attitude. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So what kind of attitude are you bringing each day to your workplace? Are you positive, upbeat, or would your colleagues think of you more as someone like Paul described here as someone who complains and argues? I remember working at somewhere else before I worked here and uh, I loved it. I had an office there at this particular place I worked and um, this particular office I worked in, I liked to work with my office door open because uh, I loved it when people would stop in and see me. Some of you might be surprised to hear this, but I'm kind of a little bit extroverted. I, I like a bit of a people person. So I loved it when people would just drop in and have a chat, catch up on their news. With the exception of this one person, there was one person that worked there and, and if I saw them coming, I would like grab the phone off the desk and just start talking to anyone in the hopes that when they saw, they would see us on the phone. I'm like, oh, God, I'm God, okay. And they'd walk on by. But sometimes they'd get in. They'd get there before I could see them, but before I knew it, they were in my office. And it was just so hard whenever this person came in because, because of their attitude. They were always complaining about something. Complaining about this, complaining about that, complaining about their health, the government, the price of gas, how it was too hot, how it was too cold. There was always something that inevitably in the course of the conversation they were complaining about. And maybe some of you work in places like this, what would happen is I was at my desk, so they had me trapped. You know, I was, I was a prisoner to their, to their attitudes. They just stood there, keep going on and on. I would make up reasons. I've, oh, I must go and check to see if that package has arrived. Just to get out of my own office and get away from this person. We control our attitudes. And I hope you're not that person in your workplace. An author by the name of John Maxwell talked about our attitudes. And um, he said this, as, as workers and leaders, he said, our attitudes are our most important assets. Leadership has less to do with position than it does with disposition. The disposition of a leader is important because it will influence the way others think and feel. Great leaders or workers understand that the right attitude will set the right atmosphere, which enables the right responses from others. And we get to choose that attitude. When we show up to work in the morning, we get to choose the right attitude. We get to set, therefore, the right atmosphere 
and enable the right responses from others. Since starting Connect back in 2013, uh, Casey, my wife and I, one of the um, wonderful joys of being pastors of this church, we've got to meet so many incredible people. Many of you sat here this morning, some watching online, and, and as we've met different people in different walks of life from different careers, I've noticed how attitude plays a huge part in who that person is. Because here's what I've discovered. In the years, I've got to know teachers, doctors, chiropractors, engineers, realtors, school superintendents, bankers, nurses, police officers, uh, business owners, businessmen, businesswomen. These are all people as I'm writing down. I can think of these people that connect. And they're people with fantastic attitudes. And what I've come to notice is that their attitudes are the same despite what career they're in. So it's not like, well, all the doctors are great but all these aren't. All all very diverse, very different careers, but all wonderful attitudes. This is great advice, I think, for anyone in the workplace, but especially as followers of Jesus. Because Paul challenges this entire chapter here of Philippians 2, that we should have the attitude of Christ Jesus, that people should see Jesus' attitude shining from us. So this is one of the ducks I think we can get in a row. You know, there's a second duck, I think, when it comes to our work and and what we do for a living, okay? And um, this second duck is learn to work hard. Learn to work hard. That might seem pretty simple, pretty basic, but there's so much to that. You see, you might not be the most naturally gifted or the most charismatic or have the most opportunities, but you can always decide to work hard. And I believe that when you work hard, it will not only be noticed, it'll be rewarded. Solomon, one of the wisest people who ever lived, said this in in one of the Proverbs that he wrote. Proverbs 13, verse 4, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Those who work hard will prosper. I think that's a great proverb, and I think it's a principle that could be applied to any one of us here this morning. But if we're followers of Jesus, I believe the stakes are a little bit higher when it comes to our work ethic and how hard we're willing to work. Let me explain why. Paul wrote another letter. He wrote that letter we read from earlier to a church in Philippi. He also wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus. And in writing, he was talking to, at the time, masters and slaves in this passage I'm about to read. And you need to understand that back in New Testament times, um, uh, there, there were slaves and masters just really because of debt. If you were back then and you borrowed money from a, a landowner or a businessman and you couldn't repay the loan, you became a slave to that person. You literally had to work for that person until your debt was paid. So within that first church there, there would have been slaves, there would have been masters. And Paul's writing to all of them giving them all the same challenge. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. And masters, 
Treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. So Paul is saying here, he's writing to these slaves saying, listen, work as if you are working for the Lord. When you work, work as if you are working for the Lord. But then to the master, Paul says, you both have the same master. So he's writing this saying, both of you, when you're working, should be working as if you were working for God. So as followers of Jesus, when we go to work tomorrow morning, we should have this mindset that while our paycheck will come from a corporation or a person or a business, the reality is as followers of Jesus, if we are to follow Paul's challenge, we're not working for this, we're working for God. Everything we do should be as if we were working for Jesus himself. I got thinking about that, that principle of how important it is for us as followers of Jesus to work hard and work well because no other reason than we are followers of Jesus. A while ago, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but to some of you younger people here, you're going to think it's going to make me sound super old here, but there was a time before the internet, okay? I know that sounds crazy that there was actually a world that existed pre-internet, but um, back in the 1900s, we, uh, if our toilet broke, okay, if our toilet broke, we couldn't just Google a plumber. Google wasn't there, the internet wasn't there. So we had to get this big book out, okay? It was called The Yellow Pages. And we flicked through and we found a plumber and we called them up and they came and fixed our toilet. Well, back in the 90s, when I moved to America, I remember the first church I worked at, uh, in their lobby, there was this little stand there and there was this little pile of books. And I looked at one one day and these books, they were little thin books like this. They were called The Shepherd's Guide. Now, the shepherd's guide, okay, it was like a yellow pages for Christians. You see, when you opened the shepherd's guide, the only businessmen, the only people in there were Christians. So if you wanted a plumber, you could get a Christian plumber. If you wanted an electrician to come and fix your wiring, you don't need to look in the yellow pages. Look in the shepherd's guide, you'll get a Christian electrician will come along. This guy will show up, he'll have a fish on his van, he'll play Christian music while he's fixing your pipes. You know, I mean, it's, it's the best thing imaginable. Except for the fact that I remember at the time the shepherd's guy was out hearing story after story of someone saying, well, it was nice. I mean, he was a nice guy. He was a Christian. His business card had a Bible verse on, but my toilet still broke. Because <laughs> it turned out, sadly, that some of these people were going to the shepherd's guy because they wanted a Christian. And the Christian businessman, the Christian uh, person coming out to fix the pipes, fix the wiring, didn't do a very good job. I think we as followers of Jesus should stand out in the workplace. We should be the employees. We should be the people that, that the bosses look on and say, man, they, they, they're committed. They work hard. I came across this quote this week. I thought it was cool. It said, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays, not because she might sing a Christian hymn while she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. I wonder how our workplace would be different tomorrow. I wonder how our work lives would be different if when we went in, instead of thinking, I'm working for the man, I'm working for my boss, you know, we actually went in thinking, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. I'm, I'm teaching, I'm I'm 
police officer in, I'm, whatever it is your, your career happens to be, I'm doing this in my way of serving you. We can have a good attitude. We can choose to work hard. And then the third duck, I think some of us need to be challenged on. So have a great attitude, work hard. Third duck, don't work too hard. <laughs> okay, work hard, but don't work too hard. <laughs> Work hard, don't work. Okay, I know those two kind of contradict each other, but, but let me explain a little bit here. You know, some of us this morning, when I, when I pulled up the second duck and said, some of us need to work hard, you sat there thinking, oh, I got this. I work really hard. In fact, it's hard sometimes to find a time when I'm not working. <laughs> That's how hard I work. And we live in a great day and age where, thanks to technology and phones and tablets and laptops, we can be working all the time. But the danger is it can come at a cost. The cost of the time that we could be spending with loved ones, with our family, with ourselves, decompressing and just having some alone time. You know, often when I'm preparing a message, um, as I'm preparing the message, I'm just writing this stuff down thinking, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Okay, God, I'll preach it, but I'm the one that needs to hear this. And, and this is me. If I'm not careful, I can work too hard sometimes at the expense of my family. Sometimes I just don't know when to stop. And I was thinking about this this week, and it's interesting because obviously I was thinking about it in the context of of Scripture and what it teaches, but knowing what I was going to speak on weeks ago, it turns out that this week as I'm going through my notes, I actually just got to spend some time with my dad. So Andy mentioned this earlier, um, back right before the new year, we got some news from back in England that my dad's health uh, had had a bit of a health scare and um, he was going to be having some scans and some MRIs and meeting with some doctors and get some test results and getting some advice on um, procedures that would need to be done. And so I made the decision to, to fly back to England to be there with him during this time. And unfortunately, right after I made the decision to fly, um, he tested positive for covid so the first uh, week I was there, I couldn't actually even see him in person. But uh, miraculously, I mean, he's older, so miraculously he, he came through that okay. And then I got to spend uh, the last week I was there with him. And obviously he's going through some health things. But as I'm preparing this message, now I'm thinking about my own dad. What it was like for me growing up and, and watching him and his attitude to work. You see, my dad wasn't a Christian growing up. When I was in middle school, he became a Christian. He grew up in an unchurched family, had no church background. And uh, so from my middle, high school and adult years, I've known my dad as a Christian. And I've seen this transformation in his life. My dad has a great attitude. He's modeled this amazing attitude to me. I've got to see what it's like for somebody to, to have a good attitude in good times and bad. My dad works hard. He actually started his own company. The company still runs today with multiple employees. And and I know that he had to work tirelessly, work hard to get this company up off the ground and running. But I still have some great memories of time spent with my dad growing up because he also knew not to work too hard. He also knew how important it was to make time for his family. We had some great vacations growing up. I can remember going to see, I can remember specifically going to see Moonraker, a James Bond film. So that was a long time ago. I think it was the 70s or 80s that came out with my dad. I remember Saturdays, him taking me to the driving range and I'd have a golf lesson. And then after the lesson, we'd go to the cafe and have a sausage sandwich together. 
Sadly, years later, I've not really, those lessons didn't reapply. I'm not very good at golf, but I do still love sausages. So it's, uh, it's definitely uh, had an impact on me. But I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about my dad and his attitude and his work ethic. And I want to be like that now as a dad myself. I want to make sure I work hard, but I also want to make sure that I know when to stop working and invest time into my family. And maybe for some of us this morning, that's the duck that we need to get in a row in 2021. Maybe that's something we learned in 2020 during the lockdown, like what it was like to have that quality time together as a family. And we realized, you know, when life goes back to normal, I don't want to lose that. I enjoyed some of those, those, those nights we had together as families. I want to do more of that. So what would it look like this week if for one day or, or even just this week, instead of letting Sunday be the end of your church day, you carried on church tomorrow. You took church into your work week and you decided, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go to work as if I was working for God himself. I'm going to rethink my attitude. I'm going to, I'm going to work hard this week. I'm going to switch off at certain points during this week so that I don't work too hard at the expense of my family. Whatever you do this week, work at it as if you are working for God. So I'm going to pray for us all right now. And um, as I was preparing this message, or as I was praying this morning, getting ready for this message, I felt like, I, you know, I was saying, God, I know there'll be some people here who'll just, I'm hoping, go away and think, you know, when it comes to attitude, that is something that I can correct. That's something I can control. I'm, I'm going to rethink where this duck is on my attitude to my job. Some are going to think I need to work a bit harder. Some may think I need to work a little less hard. But I even felt this morning as I was praying that, that maybe there's someone here watching online this morning or here in person, and you've been thinking and praying about the job you're in right now as to whether it even is the right job. Maybe God's tugging you a little bit, saying it's time to look for something else. So wherever you find yourself this morning with regards to work, I pray God will help you get your ducks in a row. Father, thanks so much for these wonderful people here, Lord. Father, I know that maybe for, for some, 2020 was a very difficult year. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe their job became a lot more challenging because of COVID. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that we wouldn't get caught up in our career and keep that separate from you, but we would realize that, God, you've, you've called us to be where we are, that some of us are in the very job that we're in because you have a plan for us. You have a plan to use us in that place. So help us, Lord. Help us to choose the right attitude. Help us to work hard in all we do and to represent you in the workplace. And for some of us, help us to know when to turn the, the laptop off or switch the phone off and be present with our families. And if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that's questioning where they are right now as far as employment goes, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to them, even through this message, that this would be confirmation that you are nudging them in the direction that they feel they need to go. But help us, Lord, in this very important area of our lives to keep our ducks in a row. In Jesus' name, amen.